I loved it. It will, and it was a huge part of my life, but it started to interfere with my ability to actually do anything else. Mm-hmm. And I started to see, you know, as you get 17, 18, you know, you start, your friends start to have different types of lives than you do when you're in high school. I feel like we really just need to talk about how goalkeepers are weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that runs true through? Uh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I think goalkeeping is like a fundamental part of my uh, I- identity. I remember when I decided to stop running track, that was like one of the hardest decisions of my life. We're gonna go out on the field. We're gonna score as many goals as we can. We're gonna have fun. Oh, Becky, you're well placed. Come on, Jay. Come on, Jay. It has been my pleasure and my honor to represent you all. When an athlete walks away from their sport, I like to imagine a bunch of Star Wars laser-colored paths illuminate before them. What's next? Where will they step? Today, we peer into the lives of three former athletes. My name is Carrie Devine. I um, was a figure skater, and I was part of the Canadian national team. full name is Ed Buguet. Um, my sports are football i guess soccer <laughs> over here and cricket uh, and i played both uh, to university standard hi my name is karen mitchell i was a track and field athlete and i ran track at a division one university who after hanging up their cleats their skates and their spikes decided to pursue law the three people in this episode loved and present tense love their sport The feeling of working towards a goal, the triumphs of winning, and the trials of losing, all that jazz. They also, however, possess rational minds, which kind of checks out in thinking about what they do for a living. And that mind, that decision-making, is a big focus of this show. These three got to a point in their athletic careers where they just knew it was time to call it. The passion and care for the sport was shelved in order to embark on another journey. I I loved to skate when I was little, and I also loved to dance. And my mom and I were actually at the skating rink, and I was skating around, and there was a coach there who approached her and asked if I would be interested in taking lessons and being part of the figure skating program. And my mom thought it would be a great kind of match. I was super flexible as a kid. I was a gymnast. I was in every program kind of after school. So um, I decided to, you know, my mom decided to enroll me and I started to skate with a group. And then the coach who had approached her actually pulled me off to the side and would train me individually. And so when I was seven years old, she put me into my first competition Mm -hmm. and I won. And (laughs) I was a a two bit two little thing, but it was pretty cute. I think, I mean, sport had a totally kind of fundamental and central uh, role, I guess, for me from, yeah, from from pretty much as early as I can um, remember. Playing lots of football games and and cricket games against my brothers in the the back garden. So I guess it all just started on the playground, probably when I was about five years old or so. 
Um, we used to just race each other, like me and some of the kids in the neighborhood, for fun. And I turned out to be faster than a lot of the boys. They all started young. As they grew, the sport grew with them. They were swept up into the athlete grind. Their life was taken up by competitive sports as kids and as young adults. Other activities were worked into the small amounts of free space around the chaos that can be an athlete's schedule. Their sports took them places, figuratively and literally, to college, around the country, around the world. It presented opportunities and opened doors they might not have had otherwise. You know, the night before competition, I was in bed at 6 o'clock. I was up every morning at 4 a.m., on the rink at 5, training for two hours in the morning, then at lunchtime doing some sort of fitness or dance or gymnastic type of program, Mm -hmm. and then going home, doing my work, and then going back to the rink for a couple of hours. Through at school and then at university, I guess college here, preparing for each season became a sort of real focus point um, of my life. And I also traveled a lot playing. Um, So I had kind of, um, I guess for me, quite seminal experiences. I played um, a football season in Zambia when I was 18. Um, I traveled and played cricket around the world. So I think very influential from an early age and particularly uh, with the travel, it's sort of been a formative part of my life really. I didn't really start taking it serious until I would say middle school. Um, I grew up in in the Bronx in New York, but in late middle school I moved to South Florida, and track is a really big deal in Florida, and that's when I really started getting into it, and um, you know joined a league and started running at school and um, took things a lot more seriously. Depleting and satisfying pressure-filled and cathartic, all this wrapped into the beautiful, weird, sweaty experience we call sport. They rode the athlete wave for years. It kept being this enriching and cool vehicle through which to see and do things. And then they stopped. So I officially hung up the skates when I was 18 um, for two reasons. My coach was moving away. Um, I was based in Montreal and my coach was moving to Toronto and I had the opportunity to either move with him or to stay in Montreal. And if I stayed in Montreal, I would have had to start over mm-hmm. and starting over with a new coach at kind of that period of time when he had gotten me to the level that we were at was going to be an extremely difficult kind of task because I was a single figure skater. I wasn't even a pair skater. So, you know, as a singles, you're really, you know, your cat, your coach is everything to you and they're the main kind of point of reason and the point of leaning leaning on and the point of support more than anybody else in your world and to train with somebody else meant a whole new style and a whole new take so that was kind of one of the big directives in kind of making my decision and then the other was I always had interest in doing other things and I grew up around skaters obviously and a lot of them and you know some of the most famous and professional you know, they came out of Canada and they came out of the United States as well because at different points of time I did train in the States. Um, but I knew that there was a limit to it and I didn't want to just tour around with a skating show the rest of my life. That wasn't going to be me. 
I always wanted to kind of become a professional. I loved school. Um, and I also loved other activities and it started to kind of get in the way of my social life and get in the way of my ability to pursue other opportunities. So it was either die hard and go mm -hmm. and keep going and see where it led to and then decide later on what I want to do in life or to start pursuing my other dreams. And mm -hmm. I chose to pursue my other dreams. I loved it. It will, and it was a huge part of my life, but it started to interfere with my ability to actually do anything else. Mm -hmm. And I started to see, you know, as you get 17, 18, you know, you start, your friends start to have different types of lives than you do when you're in high school, you know, and you, you want to be able to go out and party and you want to be able to go out and travel and you want to be able to do um, different things. And I was never allowed. I was tired. It was a blessing in disguise. It's not, I never regretted it. I never would. Um, I taught for a while in order to keep kind of it yeah. part of my life, but I knew I was done competing because it was just, it was just too much mm -hmm. for what else I wanted to achieve. Um, I actually, I carried on playing with real focus even after university for a f few years. And I think, I think I reached a point where I'd achieved a lot of the goals that I set out to achieve. But I think at the same time, I also came to realize, um, I guess my limits in each sport and started to play at a level where it was a constant uh, battle to, um, yeah, I guess to deliver at that level. And I think eventually I, I realized for me that, that which was really at a sort of semi like professional level. I, I was never a semi-professional player, but I was playing with people who'd come out of either totally professional systems or who were trying to make it as pros. And I think at that point I realized um, I was really at the limit of what I could achieve. I actually kind of felt like I'd really run as hard as I could have run and pushed it as hard as I could. And I find quite a lot of solace in that. I don't have too many regrets and I didn't feel like there were many, um, uh, I guess many dreams that I didn't at attempt to play out, um, even if ultimately I probably came up short um, in the end. I mean, honestly, I wished I could have pursued the Olympic dream. Um, it, it was always my dream to, you know, run in the Olympics and get a gold medal. Uh, unfortunately, I had a lot of injuries. I had two knee surgeries in college. Um, I tore my ACL, had it re reconstructed. And by the time I got to my senior year, I kind of was just at a point where, you know, I knew the Olympic dream was not gonna happen anymore. And I had to just focus on, you know, what am I gonna do next? And let me focus on graduating from college and figuring out what I wanna do with my career outside of sports. Mm -hmm. It happened at different times and was sparked specifically by varying reasons, but they all got to that point where the scales had tipped. The benefits of committing their lives to sport in the way they had just weren't as weighty as they once were. Other interests and priorities were pulling on their uniform sleeves. For these special and smart folks, Part of that meant acknowledging and following a pull towards law. And well, as with anything, understanding what it is you want to do in life can really range in clarity. How did you know that you wanted to be a lawyer? Really weirdly, interestingly enough, I was in the fifth grade. 
I'm not kidding. I did not know I wanted to become a lawyer. <laughs> you weren't dreaming about it at night, like when Never, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, all three had their own kind of winding path to where they are now. And I had to do a project, and my mom was a single mom, so I went to a friend's father, and he was a lawyer because I always thought that he was the coolest. And I did an interview on him about his career. And there's stuff that he said that just, I guess, resonated with me. Because literally from that point in time when people would ask me what I want to be when I grow up, I'd say I want to be a lawyer. So it was just kind of something that developed over time. I always loved to read and I always liked, you know, I liked the books and I liked knowledge. And I find that that's something as a lawyer that is important to be able to sit and read and to, you know, pay attention and pay attention to detail and those type of things. And I guess that I started to hone in on those skills early because I enjoyed doing it. Mm. Um, I was never in the math world. I hated blood, so medicine was never an option. It was always really geared towards being a lawyer, and I would say it literally started with that project. I mean, the fundamental thing that I've always enjoyed is is deals, I guess, deal-making, that side of things. Um, So I think that was probably what led me into it initially. But also, I did notice a lot of, um, again, certainly when I was sort of coming through the ranks in the UK, a lot of the top lawyers, there is quite a strong connection between people who were either professional or serious sportsmen who went into the law. So I think initially it was deal-making. I thought it could be an industry I'd enjoy. But also, I did notice there was quite a trend for people who'd enjoyed sport to, to, to go down that road as well. I, I knew I wanted to work in music or sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going down these two paths and it was either, you know, I was going to be a music manager or an A&R and sign artists and writers and producers, or I was going to be a sports broadcaster um, or a sports agent, yeah. you know? And so and it came down to um, an internship that I had in music at a music publishing company where I got a chance to see um, some of the lawyers work and, and you know, uh, negotiate a deal for a really big artist at the time that I was interning there. And that's when I started talking to a couple of lawyers and just finding out more about what they did exactly. And I realized that, you know, whether or not I want to become a lawyer, I think a law degree would be very valuable. Um, I thought that I could use it in the music industry or if I did become a sports agent, then you know, having that law degree obviously would you know, set me apart from a lot of the other sports agents. And so I decided to just take the LSAT <laughs> and not, still not knowing whether or not I wow. wanted to be a lawyer, but just thinking, okay, this will help me either as a music manager or a sports agent. And you know, somehow, I did well enough, and here we are. And here we are. If you spend any amount of time around lawyers, and really these business lawyer types, you're struck by the amount of conference calls and meetings they have, the fact that they're throwing around words like contract negotiation and licensee agreements as if there's some rule about being a lawyer that says you have to take the bar again if you don't use these terms every third sentence. Not to mention all the keyboard tapping and headset wearing going on. It's really a vibe. 
And you're standing there just like, one, what's going on here? What are you guys in this business law world doing big pick wise? And I guess what I've been most interested in, what really are the aspects of this job that drive you? What parts make you excited to get to work and be at your desk inching closer and closer towards scoliosis and cataract surgery every day? You know? Favorite part of my job is the interaction with people. Having the opportunity to represent so many people and actually projects that I'm really passionate about is fun. I think I I love where I work because I think it's a very um, unique and entrepreneurial setup. Um, So I really enjoy that because I think it is actually quite atypical compared to uh, a lot of the way a a lot of how a lot of other law firms are are structured um so yeah what i enjoy most is the entrepreneurial element to it finding clients for me that's entrepreneurs uh filmmakers musicians people in the entertainment space who have an angle or a great business idea or a story to tell and figuring out how um how to sort of, you know, bring that to the world in, in whatever kind of guise it may be. And typically on my side, that's through the deals that you're, you're making. But I, I find it really meaningful because you're working with ideas and people that you really care about. And, you know, you have a critical role in terms of how you translate that into a commercial proposition that, that comes into the world. There are a lot of things that I really love about my job. I mean, obviously, I love music. I'm very passionate about music, and um, that's the number one, I think, driving factor for me. Um, Also, it's just really rewarding to, to watch your clients go from one point in their career to the next. Um, and really just watching them grow and being a part of that story and knowing that you are part of the reason um, for their success. I think that's really the most rewarding part of my job and it's my, the favorite, you know, my, my favorite part of my job. Um, literally, I have clients that were sleeping on someone, a mattress in their man, on their manager's floor for years and now they're nominated for Grammys, you know? So that's really my favorite part is just watching the growth and and the success and seeing people accomplish their dreams. Their life cadence these days could not be more opposite than that of the soccer player, runner, and skater they once were. But of course, as we all know by now, being a competitive athlete in the kind of capacity Carrie, Ed, and Karen were shapes fundamental aspects of who you are. And that doesn't exist in a silo. You know, I was always, you know, part of of the group, but I was always out of my own because I was an individual skater. So, um, you know, there was a lot of time spent alone. Um, That's translated into my adult life as well, um, where I'm very comfortable being alone, but I also kind of crave having people around me. I didn't realize what an impact it would have for me later on and how it would really form kind of my behaviors or the way that I approach things. Um, You know, having kind of that competitive spirit in you from the beginning and also being trained, you know, to, you know, do your best all the time and, you know, perform, perform, perform. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are things that, you know, 
I actually appreciate and I don't regret in any which way. Um, but I don't think I valued them in the same way back then as I do today. I feel like we really just need to talk about how goalkeepers are weirdos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you think that runs true through? Uh, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I think goalkeeping is like a fundamental part of my uh, I identity. I mean, I think you do have to be a weirdo. Um, there's actually a great book by a guy who I ended up in a nice uh, uh, kind of scenario where worlds collided playing cricket with. Uh, it's called The Outsider by Jonathan Wilson, which is like a history of goalkeeping. And it just affirms what you're saying of all these mad characters who, who've <laughs> played even at a top level, like Albert Camus, who's like a philosopher, uh, you know, a, a, a Lev Yashin, who's a famous Russian keeper. So all these kind of iconic characters through, um, through history. Um, I mean, I think something that's interesting that's coming out these days around goalkeeping is uh, mental health. Mm -hmm. I think that when I talked about the highs, there's no better place being a goalkeeper. I guess like being a striker, the spotlight's on you, you make a big penalty save or you have a great day and, and the highs are huge because it's really you alone who's in the spotlight. I think there's also a lot of stuff now coming out around mental health and how difficult the lows can be. Mm -hmm. There was the German goalkeeper Robert Enke, for example, yeah, yeah. and that's an incredibly moving book that's written by, I think it's a journalist who speaks a lot with his wife and people who are close to him. So, yes, I think it's a fundamental part of who I am. I think it's really interesting, the conversations that are going on now around goalkeeping and particularly around, um, you know, mental health and everything else that, that goes with it. You know, I think I take um, my experiences of being an athlete into everything that I do. You know, I'm very competitive when it comes to work or just life in general. Everything is kind of like a track meet <laughs> and you want to win. All three still have a relationship with their sport in one way or another and feel its influence not only in a deep personhood sense, but also in a basic habits and lifestyle preference sense. I still watch competitive figure skating all the time. I take my nieces, I take all, my, all the kids okay, possible yeah. to the ice capades or to these to mm -hmm. the different ice shows. Um, every time I'm in New York, I'm skating on Rockefeller Center just because it's fun. Um, I love getting on skates. Uh, I do it all the time. I teach kids still every so often. Yeah. You know, it's something that I do different elements of it. Like I kept up with like the yoga for the flexibility and the, you know, dance. I still was a big part of my life up until recently actually. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I keep it as part of my life. I still have all of my skating costumes yeah. at home. I have my last pair of skates, professional skates. That's so cool. <laughs> I love going to watch. I still love playing like wherever I can. And I think again, that's... Not exactly great cricket leagues though in LA. No, no. Although I have found uh, Beverly Hills and Hollywood no uh, cricket club does exist. I haven't, I haven't stepped out yet, but I have joined. I have joined it. Um, yeah, I think um, I, I, I still love like watching. I love playing when I can. So far, I've managed to stay in sort of good enough condition that I don't see my performances falling, you know, to such a level that I can't in, in, enjoy it anymore. Um, but I think it's something that's, that's actually really great about the UK and I see it growing, I think, here, particularly with soccer. But your ability to play really good amateur sport once you've left a sort of setup that's gearing you towards, you know, the top end of, of, of the industry is, um, you know, it's everywhere. Sunday League football, 
um, from sort of semi-pro all the way down to complete amateur kick around. Same with cricket, you can play at a level just below the county championship as a complete amateur. Um, so uh, yeah, I still love it. And actually, particularly back in the UK, I still managed to play pretty regularly, uh, even though it was just for fun. I still train like an athlete. You know, I, I do weight training and I, I literally do some of the same routines and um, workouts that I did when I was in college. So. Good habits. Yeah, absolutely. I still watch track all the time. I'm still just a big sports person. Um, and actually, I'm looking into, um, you know, possibly becoming a sports agent and working with Olympic athletes. That's always been a dream of mine as well, outside of just practicing law. Um, also just working with athletes and, you know, representing them. I, I do have the opportunity to work with some athletes right now, um, handling some of their, their, their deals. However, I don't work with any track athletes, surprisingly. It's mostly NBA and NFL. So I think that would be something that um, I would really want to do and tap, tap back into yeah. to track that way. So we'll see, but I definitely still watch track. And what might be in store for these athletes turned lawyers 10 years down the line? <laughs> Lying on a beach? No, I hope to be doing kind of what I'm doing, just at a, maybe a little bit of a slower pace, mm. having kind of maximized out and keeping kind of stable at that point, you know, building up my practice and, you know, keeping it going. I love, I love doing it. I don't intend to stop anytime soon. I'd like to be continuing to really enjoy what I do. Um... I'd yeah I, I guess probably an extension the same I'd like to try and um, you know reach the sort of top level in my field working on you know projects that I find meaningful with with people whose professional company I, I enjoy and I guess it's a it's a hope but it's something I'll have to see where it comes out um, I think I was always conscious in sport of um, the limitations that would probably apply at a sort of middling level but I hope that you know with real dedication um, you know you can get to the very top um, and I think if there's one thing that my sort of sport has shown me it's if you could go on that journey and really make the most of, you, of your talent in that field I think it would be a very um, satisfying place to be. And we have to point out, too, that you're still technically at, like, goalkeeping peak right yeah. now. Yeah, right? I'm just coming you into my goalkeeping peak. Uh, give us two weeks to uh, be out of here. Exactly. I'm waiting for a string of injuries to the LAFC uh, goalkeeping bench. There you go. Ten years from now, um, I definitely want to add sports to my practice. I would love to represent a number of athletes. Um... You know, I, I'd love to, to be a, a licensed agent in, in maybe the NBA and NFL, um, track and field for sure. Picking up some Olympic athletes would be awesome, on, on, you know, maybe even in tennis, some things like that. So that's something that I definitely see for myself. Guess we're going to have to do a run-along check-in in 2029. Carrie, Ed, and Karen, I mean, maybe this goes without saying, but they have a lot to be proud of at this stage in their lives, even if it's a far cry from training for Tokyo or the next round of the FA Cup. 
They put themselves through the ringer of law school, passed grueling exams, established themselves in a respected profession, and are still very much on an upward trajectory in their careers. I really strive not to be pushy as a host, but I do feel like it's a good idea right now to put your ear closer to whatever speaker this sound is coming out of and listen up to what they have to say about the after sport chapter. When I left skating, even though I was ready to do it, I didn't realize that there would be a mourning period, kind of, because it was such an ingrained part of my existence. It opened up new doors. There was all sorts of new opportunities that became available to me because I didn't have all this time invested in one thing. And I became a different person, and I started to evolve in a different way. Um, you know, my best advice is to take your time to kind of adapt to your new surroundings and to figure out what you want to do. Um, because you're going to get into situations where you're not necessarily going to know how to deal with them because you've never had to deal with them before. And you're going to actually have more choices in front of you as opposed to less. And there's so much out there to explore and just take the time to enjoy it and explore it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at the end of the day, when you're a professional athlete, especially at a young age and you're, you know, you're competing or you're part of a team, there's so many values that are embedded into you that you take with you going forward. And, you know, part of my, you know, my training of what came out the most was obviously my perseverance and my commitment and my ability to commit to different things um, was so honed in on. I never was scared of making a commitment um, and I was never scared of being able to carry through on it because I had always, you know, it, it was ingrained into my existence that I was going to be committed to something and I was going to become successful at it. I, I think my advice would be to try and find something that you're passionate about in the same way that you're passionate about your sport. I think it would also be to realize that just like with sport, it takes a lot of hard yards to get out on the pitch and have those great moments. You've got to be prepared for a period of graft to, to get to a level where you can start to enjoy what, what you're doing. So I, I think anticipating that is helpful. Um, but I think ultimately to find something that you care about in a different way with the same passion that you can show the same dedication to, again, in a, in a, in a different way, would would be what I'd advise people to focus on. And I think if you do that, um, again, the, the, the highs are of a different nature, but I think you can find similar, maybe even greater satisfaction in um, kind of pursuing your goals and, and your dreams in other fields. I remember when I decided to stop running track, that was like one of the hardest decisions of my life. Like I really felt like I was quitting something and, and I don't like quitting at all. Like, you know, like just the idea of it. But then I really had to just um, wrap my head around the fact that I'm not quitting. I'm pursuing something else. You know, for, for all the other athletes out there that are kind of coming to this point in their life, I think they just have to look at things as though this isn't, you know, it's not like they're quitting something. They're just starting a new a new race or a new a new game and there's new challenges and and they have to take what they learn as an athlete and devote that to whatever the next endeavor in their life is going to be and focus on how to how to win how to win in that area. Thank you to Carrie, Ed and Karen for coming onto the podcast 
And as always, thank you for listening. Hope to see you next.